Welcome to Teachings in the Air. air, air. podcast with Jerry Oldman, coming to you from Hunkameenam Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound in mind, body, and spirit, because that's what health means. past of being an activist and I heard that song and it is called the Constitution Song and it's referring to what we don't need and what is. The youngsters and uh, you know I'm talking about young adults that were tired of what is going on in this country in regards to indigenous people. And they started what they called the Red Road to get on the Red Road. And they grew their hair and they wore it in ponytails and braids, these young men and young women, and started to use their language as much as they could and encouraged other people to use the language. And they started to do a ceremony. And I remember them, that they they looked so comfortable in their skin and they're standing around the fire with these hand drums. 
singing these songs. And I remember when I'd seen them that my hair was almost standing up in my head. And I first heard that drum, boom, and then they start singing. And they're burning these medicines. I had no idea what they were about. And some of it was sweetgrass and sage and juniper and cedar that was ground up. And it smelled so good. It was like magic. And I'd smell this in, and I'd listen to the music, and I'd started to feel good about being indigenous. So this is Jerry Oldman coming to you from Coast Salish Territory, Hunkaminam People's Territory, with another Teachings in the Air. What Sahilthat or Jerry is sharing with you as came through the air to him and he's, he's playing it back to you. It's like I heard these and I recorded them in my mind. And I remember them each time I talk to you on the air. I have a topic. I have an area I want to share with you about our lives as indigenous people and as Canadians too, because we're all here. So today's episode is called In Harm's Way. You know, and um, I've thought about this a year now or longer, about harm's way, in harm's way. And how, as individuals, we can put ourselves in harm's way. And I'd like to dedicate this podcast to one of my late brothers and one of my late nephews. And I feel today that's why I even wanted to do In Harm's Way because of their memory. I had this love, and I still have this love. And remember, love is a commitment to other people. You commit yourself to them. I committed myself to my brother, and I loved him. Didn't matter his addictions or whatever's going on, I still loved him. Same with one of my nephews, you know, the same thing. But they put themselves in harm's way. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast today. With a prayer that people would hear this and maybe share it with their relatives and that we would stop putting ourselves in harm's way as people if we understand it. Because I've wondered in my life, I would see people in harm's way and get hurt, and the rest of us don't seem to learn from it. And it's been a puzzle for me. It's been a mystery. How could this be that we don't understand that if we take alcohol, 
that it alters our senses and our reaction time goes down and our vision gets blurry and we can put ourselves in harm's way and other people too. What about that doesn't get to us? What about those kinds of things that we don't understand or we don't think about? It's been a puzzle for me. I remember I went to this, I was doing a tour of indigenous treatment centers. And I went to this treatment center and I was doing a tour of their facilities and talking to their staff. And I looked outside the building and there was a sweat lodge there and there was an elder sitting by the sweat lodge. He had a fire going. And I went over and pulled up, like you could say, a stump or a log to sit on beside him. And I asked him about his work. He says, yeah, I come here and I bring this ceremony to help the ones that are addicted. And I noticed that there was sadness about him. So I asked him, and he says, you know, I know the sweat lodge helps. He says, but I've been looking for the medicine for alcoholism, and I cannot find it. He says, I know medicines for other sicknesses of the body. Or if people are depressed, sometimes I can help them with medicine. He says, even breathing in sweetgrass will help people to start to come to their senses. He says, and I've been looking now for a while for medicine for alcoholism. And he says, I, I haven't found it yet. And the words yet today resonate in me because he still probably, he looked for it the rest of his life and just like I am looking for medicine for addictions. Because, you know, in reality, and we look, we have more and more people getting addicted to different things now. So I, I've had uh, the honor and the blessing to be in the presence of elders that I come to see now that they were the medicine, that we can actually be medicine for other people in their addiction by being, staying committed to them, by understanding that something happened to our relative and they're looking for happiness. Perhaps I can be that happiness for them. When I look back and before contact, and I constantly do that, you know, and I, I talk and I listen to people, and I look for those old messages, those old ideas, those old, what we call old ways, or the way our people lived before contact. It's a passion of mine, because when I look back, I know without a doubt that our people were very healthy before contact. 
And remember, healthy means having a strong mind, a strong body, and a strong spirit. And I became interested, how did they make those so strong? What were they doing to create these individuals? You've heard me say, on the West Coast, hunting whales off these canoes. Men running deer down on foot, or running moose down, doing these incredible, incredible physical feats to feed their family. How did they get that strong? And of course the answer was, or answers, was how they raised their children. They raised them to believe in themselves and to feel good about themselves. I remember my late father was like that with me. I was, he, I was helping him cut wood one winter. And he's using the chainsaw and I'm using the axe and the wedge and the sledgehammer. And I'm getting close to the end of the day, and he says, okay, son, you load up the truck. All the wood we cut, you load it up, and we're going to go home after you load it up. I says, okay. So I start loading the woods, the ones that I split first, put them on a truck. And I kept doing that. Then there's these big blocks, and I knew I could not lift them, so I left them. So I was standing there after I loaded what I could, and he comes. He turns off the chainsaw. He sees me standing there, and he comes, and he says, Son, I told you to load all the wood we cut onto the truck. I looked at him, and I said, Dad, I can't lift up those big blocks. And he looks at me, and he says, Son, I don't want to hear you say I can't. I want you to figure it out. He says, I'm going to go back and cut a little bit more, and I want you to figure out how to load those wood in the truck. And he left. And of course, I had some hurt feelings, thinking that this was unfair, you know, that he thinks I can load those big blocks in the truck by myself, thinking he should have helped me. But while I was feeling sorry for myself, I was looking around and I noticed these old planks laying by the road, these big boards, you know, like two by sixes, you know, that were 10 or 15 feet long, you know, two inches thick and six inches wide. So the answer came to me and I dragged them over to the back of the truck and I used them as a ramp and I rolled those big blocks of wood onto the truck. And my dad sees me and he comes back. I had it all loaded up and he said, see, son, I don't want you to say I can't anymore. You figure it out. You got a good mind on your, in that head of yours, you know, you use it. My dad was raised in this is my point of that story. He believed, and he wanted me to believe in myself too, that I have 
the ability to figure things out. And he didn't give up on me, which is probably one of the most important things that I felt from my father. He believed in me that I could do it. He actually, and when he was telling me, don't say can't, I want you to figure it out, he's letting me know he believes in me too. You know the feelings after I loaded up the truck and were going home? I felt good about myself. I felt I could do it, I can figure things out. You know, if, it, if he'd done it the other way around and hit me and called me stupid and stuff, you know, I wouldn't have felt good about myself. And I would have looked for ways to feel good. And what they call the softer, easier way. Because it is easy to crack open a bottle of beer or a bottle of whiskey and drink it. It's pretty easy. You know, but to, to struggle and to fight, that's another way. Not to give up. So when I think about my father, my late father, and how he was raised, he was raised with a strong mind, a strong body, and a strong spirit. They actually trained his mind to find ways to solve problems, to ask for help, and more importantly, to help each other. He was raised in that kind of an atmosphere. It was in the air all around him. Those were teachings in the air that came to him from every direction. That's what he grew up in as a child. And that's all they were speaking to him was Stetlium. And my elders would tell me we had no swear words in Statlium. We had no words to hurt people by putting them down and making them feel less than us. We had, did not have those words. So that's the kind of teachings that were coming through the air to him, that we're good people and that we need to help people if they're in trouble because they're going to help us. We help them, they'll help us. That's a good way. That's a way of the people. When I think of my dad, my late father that way, what he was growing up in, and that he shared it with me, I feel so lucky today. And the body, you know, him and his brother, were the ones that talked to me, my uncle and my dad, about the importance of running and bathing in the water, doing ceremony. My uncle's first one take me to a sweat, my dad's brother. And my uncle would tell me about the medicines to clean my stomach out, and my colon, you know, my insides. He says, nephew, you got to keep yourself clean inside and out. So they're showing me how to take care of my body, to respect my body, 
not to put my body in harm's way by not cleansing myself, not taking care of my body. Those were good teachings in the air for Jerry, for my uncle, my dad, and other elders I've listened to. And that's what it all it was all about. They were keeping Jerry out of harm's way. They were doing their best. And I feel today that's what we all must do. Help the ones that are hurting themselves. Let them know, hey, nephew, like my uncle says to me and my dad's, I mean, my mother's brother would say things like, hey, you fly with the crows, you're going to get shot, nephew. And those words, and he was saying that to me, was to keep me out of harm's way. I heard those words, and I was hanging out with some of my friends that were starting to drink, you know, and were 13, 14 years old, and they were drinking, and he seen me with them, and he says, hey, nephew, you fly with the crows, you're going to get shot. Of course, I then listened to him, ended up for being arrested for stealing beer, and I knew what he meant. And he was doing his uncle's job, his uncle's job, his job as an uncle, to keep Jerry out of harm's way, to warn him, to alert him. You know, that's our way. And I, you've heard me say probably on a podcast, if you listen to all my podcasts, that I, I've listened to elders and they've taught me. And I remember the elders in the East Coast telling me we're all in trouble because we're breaking our own laws. And that makes total sense to me today. And one of our laws is to help our relatives of their suffering. To help prevent them from being in harm's way. Where there's potential for them hurting themselves or hurting other people. That it's our job as indigenous people to do our best with them and not to give up on them when they're putting themselves in harm's way. You know, when I look at our history, my in my lifetime, I remember sitting with my, what I'll call my cohort of people that we all had in our mind, we want to stop alcoholism in our communities. That was our mission. And we could see how many people were in harm's way. Drinking and driving, stomach ulcers, you know, violence, all of those things that come when you're not yourself. We could see that. And at times it would get us depressed. But we'd go back on those old teachings, don't give up, find a way, don't say can't. <laughs> you know, that was a real big teaching from my father. 
when I struggle, at times I, I can hear his voice. Son, I don't want to hear you say I can't. You figure it out. <laughs> so that's what I do today. I try to figure out things when I have, when I'm struggling. Something seems difficult for me. Because I do get tempted to say I can't. And I don't want to. So this way of keeping out of harm's way is to support our relatives and our friends when they're struggling. To bring lightness to their life, to bring light to their mind. Because often people that are addicted, there's darkness in their mind. So we help to bring light, lightness, to make their mind light. And I do that by telling people, you know, you come from good people. I know you do. I was visiting a man that's incarcerated, and I told him that. And he told me just recently, he says, you know, Jerry, when you told me that I come from good people, that done something to me. I said, good, because I know you do. I know your grandparents. They treated me good. They taught me. He was the one, in fact, told me about teachings in the air. Everything we know comes through the air. So I felt I was honoring that elder that told me that by telling his grandson that, that you come from good people and support him that way. Because in this life, we're in two worlds, indigenous world and Euro-Judeo-Christian world, we can become lost. We can forget where we come from. And sometimes we don't even hear the teachings in the air. So to do that, we be patient with others and understand that they may have not had the teachings in the air. Myself, I count my blessings today, and I think of all the teachings in the air I've heard and seen, because teachings can be done through actions too. When I see elders or indigenous people being generous with people that do not have. That's a teaching, that action. Because it's tangible, you can see it and feel it. The appreciation that people have that are struggling when someone helps them. Without pretense of any kind other than just your mind, I'm going to help you. So this life of ours is to find our way back to our nations, our people that speak the same language, to find our way back to them and say, I'm part of you, I'm Statlium, for instance, and to proclaim that and to tell people that I'm Statlium and feel good about being Statlium, to find your way back to your family, and to express yourself with them and let them know your feelings and let them know that you're 
your affection for them. And finally, you know, to, to accept our community, to be part of an active participant in a community of people that are living together, that there's going to be safety there, that we're not going to allow people to slander people or gossip maliciously about people in our community, that we don't do that start to bring that message out. That's not our way. It's not indigenous to swear at people with such venom in your voice and anger in your eyes. It's not our way to do that. To start to remind people, and those becomes teachings in the air when we tell people that, and then they perhaps they will not put themselves in harm's way. When I think that teaching of respect, when I understood that for me to respect an elder, that I must listen to them with everything I have when they're speaking to me, that I would be a good student for them by listening to them, not criticizing the words in my head, but just listening to them, that that's respect and that I would do what I can for them because they were so generous with me with their teachings. That's respect. And that I was showing them, and this is a part that I'd learned, was that when they seen me doing that, they knew that Jerry was starting to respect himself by asking for teachings, by looking for teachings to help himself and to help the people. When I seen that, and I seen elders smile and be happy because Jerry respected himself. Because I always thought respect was about this action towards other people. But I now know that the most important is that we respect ourselves. We say we're not going to put harmful things in our body. We're not going to use harmful words. We're not going to harm people intentionally. You know, that's respect. That's the truest, you know, respect that you can have. And, you know, for me to understand that was a foundation of our way of life as indigenous people before contact and before Christ in this country. I feel mighty proud of that. You know, I feel good about that. You know, it's a... I really want everyone to understand that the beauty we come from as indigenous people in the Americas People would say, how do you know? <laughs> Some people might say to me, and I'd say, well, you tell me how many things were going extinct in North America when we were here by ourselves? And I'd ask that question, and people couldn't tell me. They'd say, as far as I know, nothing was going extinct. 
My, uh, I remember being taught as a youngster, you don't waste, you don't dare waste anything. And you have a salmon, you cut it right away and you treat it with respect and you don't waste it. And if you got more than enough, you give it to the elders. Those are good teachings that carried us for thousands of years and made sure that our life was sustainable. That means it's going to be the same every generation. Not every year, but every generation. That's indigenous way. That's the people we come from. They understood respect. So... Because of that, the chances of us putting ourselves or our family or our community in harm's way was lessened. We'd respect other neighboring nations. You know, like um, we're neighbors to the Shushuapmuk and the Chilcotans, the Statlium people, the Coast Salish people. We'd respect them. We would have fights about resources with them. But we did not try to commit genocide against those neighboring nations. We have never attempted, I never heard of any attempts to do that. Yes, we fought to the death at times. But there was no one, in my mind, that got so greedy, they want to take over the whole country. That's the people we come from. That comes from being raised properly with teachings in the air about respect and honor, to honor people, to put to raise them up when they deserve to be raised up, to show everybody and say, we're honoring this person so everybody can see that person and the youngsters can aspire to be like that. I'm going to be like that. Because we'd raise people up and they're generous and they'd feed the elders. Look, he fed the elders. And the young boys that are going to be hunters are saying, I'm going to be like that. That's the way I want to be. I think, I know that's a powerful way of preventing harm's way life, hurtful life. When we honor people and we lift them up. It's not about ha'achut, that somebody's better than you or better than us. It's about recognizing goodness and generosity, support, respect, love. That's what it was about. And that's where I say, let's go home. Let's go back to that. Connecting as people again with each other and with the earth. Taking those old teachings in the air, like don't waste anything, son. Share with the people, son. And don't use harsh words with people, son. That my aunties would say, Ashkosha, Kal, Kalut. You don't be using bad words because Kal refers to, like, say, for instance, meat. If you're saying cull, and that means that the meat is spoiled and you shouldn't eat it because it'll hurt you. And that's the same with words. 
You don't use those bad words because it goes into people and it'll hurt them. So, a lot of this helping our relatives to stay out of harm's way is about using our old teachings, using our old knowledge of how to bring the best out of people so that we can be proud of them and how they behave, what they do, how they talk, how they walk. So let's put it in our mind that we're going to put teachings in the air to keep our families out of harm's way, that they will not put themselves in harm's way. They will not get into a vehicle intoxicated or stoned. That they will not be hurting each other with words. On social media or live, that what's going to come out of them is their beauty way of life. What kind supporting words, teachings. At times we have to stop people that are causing harm. We must stop them, step in between them and who they're harming. We must do that. But also we must teach those ones that are doing the harm. We must do everything we can to help them to heal. I've heard so many examples of that because I've had a chance to travel around the country. And I heard this one community said, yes, this man was violent and we didn't know what to do, so we took him and we put him on an island and we gave him everything he needs to survive. And we told them, we're not going to let you away from this island until we can see change in you. And he said we'd bring him self-help books, we'd talk to him, and we'd go visit him. But he knew he was going to stay there until he changed. And he changed. He got himself out of harm's way because the people didn't give up on him and found a way to help him look at himself so that he could change. They gave him teachings in the air. You know, this whole business of harm, it's at times devastating to us. But we must gather ourselves and look for the tools, look for the ways to support each other so that we won't be in harm's way. Then that's when we're going to have authority and jurisdiction. And we're not going to wait for the government to do it. We're going to be saying to the drug dealer in our community, no more. You're putting our youngsters in harm's way. 
We absolutely refuse you to do that in our community. When more and more of us think that way, then we can do something about it. Because for sure, those guys are making money, whoever's doing it, and they're living pretty high, and our youngsters are in harm's way. So let's not avoid this topic any longer about harm's way. Let's start to figure out, okay, what can we do in a positive way? Like I've been doing my best to be positive about this. I brought medicine with me today to the studio, cedar and hemlock boughs, and I tied them in a red cloth, and I brush myself off before I start speaking to you. Because this is important to me. And I'll tell you, because um, I, my belief is some of my relatives could still be with me today if they got the teachings in the air about harm's way from someone. That's part of my belief. So I throw these teachings out in the air to whoever listens to this, to teach us all about responsibility, the ability to respond. And we do that if a child is playing with matches and they're going to make a fire, we tell them, and that's keeping them out of harm's way. You know, so let's carry that on throughout our life, not just with babies or children, but with our young adults too, and our adults and our elders, because we all potentially put ourselves in harm's way. I'm so glad I can talk to you today and refer to cultural ways and teachings and methods that were used to show you this is not unbeatable. At times I tell people, I heard these words in the air, there are no hopeless cases, only hopeless methods. So if our methods aren't working, we must change them. We must help people find a way. And more importantly, let them know we believe they can do it. Like a little story I told you about my late father telling me, don't say can't, Jerry, I don't want to hear you say that. You figure it out. That's a way, that's a teaching. And because of that, I figured out things in my life. There's mistakes that I made and I'm truly sorry for. I didn't figure it out in time. But I'm still here. And I still have the desire to put teachings in the air to help around areas that we all hurt from. None of us are immune to addictions in this country as indigenous people. Or violence or all the things that have happened. But I'll say to you, we can beat this, we're going to win. I got this teachings in the air from my brother. He said, I had a dream, Jerry, we won. 
We were all standing straight and had a clear look in our eyes and we were wearing buckskin jackets and we were wearing clothing we made and we won. That dream still picks me up at times and I feel a little bit off, a little bit beat up. <laughs> I think about my brother and his beautiful dream. So that's what we have, is stories and examples of people that don't quit, that don't give up, that believe in their culture and their ways and know the value of it and put them in the air. So let's honor all those teachers that put teachings in the air for us. Let's thank them now. Let's bless them with goodness so that they have love and light in their lives and support and encouragement, which they more than deserve because they're so generous. Let's honor them. And let's make a commitment if we're going to do our best to keep our families out of harm's way. So I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast that has been in my heart and I'm trying to figure out how do I talk about this? How do I share to you about the pains I've had and the worries I've had? But more importantly, how do I talk about solutions? And it came to me today about respect. Because I heard those teachings come through the air to me. I, my granny was teaching me about respect for food and for plants as a boy. Don't waste, son. Don't hurt that plant. It didn't do anything to you. You know, she's teaching me about respect. Tell me don't use bad words with people. Don't be chut. Don't think you're better than other people. That's my granny, doing everything in her. Old age, I can remember her wrinkles and her gray and white hair to keep her grandson out of harm's way. So I honor Shutit, that's her name, Shutit today. We're never giving up on her grandson. Let's use her as her role model. Let's all do this. Keep our relatives and ourselves out of harm's way. So I'd just like to thank you for listening to this podcast today and looking forward to catching up with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or whatever, emails. Or If I happen to see you and you listen to this, um, let me know what you think and what you got out of it. Because I, I do get curious. So until the next time, this is Jerry Oldman signing out from Coast Salish Territory. <laughs>